I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we're going to be catching up as well as talking in our deeper dive segment about identifying priorities when the world is crumbling. And then later on in the pod, we're going to be interviewing two professors from the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, Dr. Wade Rowett and Dr. D'Artagna Hill. They're going to be hosting a workshop this week that you can sign up at Baptist Center or Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. And you'll hear more about that in the interview. Autumn, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. And listen, I just, for the listeners out there, need to state that Mitch's hat is on backwards and he means business. That's right. It is. I mean, it's Friday as far as this recording day is concerned, and I am ready for the weekend. I know our listeners are getting this on Monday, but I'm really needing these two days. It's been a hectic week this week uh, here at the office. Yeah. So what do you and your family do to make the weekends not feel like just another day of the week since it's kind of all running together? You know, that's a great question. And it's first couple of weeks during the pandemic and quarantine, uh, we really didn't. I mean, Saturday and Sunday were very similar to Tuesday, Thursday. Sunday was a little bit different because we still involve ourselves in congregational life. Uh, I teach a youth Sunday school class, and so I get to teach a Zoom class with them, which is a lot of fun. And one of the things that we also get to do on Sunday morning is get to participate in a lot of different services across the country. We certainly attend our service here in Norman, Oklahoma, but we're able to catch other services uh, across the country as well. And so that's been a lot of fun. So that makes it I just want to pause real quick and make sure the Lord heard that you were binging church. Did everyone hear that? Jules in his crown, Jules in his crown. We've got it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Tiger King and then, of course, church. (laughs) Balance. It's a healthy balance. That's right, that's right, that's right. So so Sunday does feel a little bit different, but, uh, you know, more recently, Saturdays have become more Sabbath-like. We kind of set everything down. Um, I try not to come into the office uh, here at the house. Missy tries not to get on her computer uh, and does uh, her two jobs, uh, and we try to just take some time for ourselves. So, but we had to be intentional about that. Uh, yeah. At first, it was just kind of all rolling together. Yeah. So, what is going on in your house? I hear that there was a really fun dinner party that happened uh, at the Lockett House this week. Well, it would have been if the kids hadn't come. <laughs> was there a food fight involved? Um. Yeah. Sort of. So we have some friends who have um, boys the same ages as our two boys. So our, our we have our, um, right? It's girl, boy. Hey, you've, boy. Got, you've got two boys oh. and two girls. I've seen it. Yes. I was trying to remember the order of them. <laughs> I spent so much time in my closet. I have to remember what ages my kids are. But our two middles are the same ages. They're only two. And we're soccer friends with them. Our soccer season has been put on hold, which our boys are just heartbroken about. Um, But we had this idea that we would cook the same meal and we would sit down at our dinner tables with our laptops open to Zoom Mm -hmm. and sit down and have dinner together. And the first part of it was great. So we, we made these really great, like slow smoky ribs that cooked for like three hours. We had roasted vegetables and homemade cornbread. And Oh, now you're making me hungry. I know. Well, the house smelled like smoked ribs all day long so I was oh, back in my office starving 
we get out there and as we're kind of finishing up making our, our sides, we went ahead and, and started the Zoom call. So it kind of felt like we were on a cooking show. Yeah, right. She was making her things and it was just, there was something really neat about the fact that we were all smelling the same things. We were kind of- It's going beautifully. I mean, you're both in your kitchens. I mean, really Julia Child kind of moment and Uh the cooking show. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's going swell. So you sat down to dinner. We sat down to dinner and which is, which is always sort of a to-do in our house. Um, someone's always under the table. Someone always needs some assistance in the restroom. Uh, someone does, doesn't want what's on their plate. It's, you know, it's always just kind of crazy. But when it comes to ribs, typically our kids are cavemen, and they just grab it and kind of go to town. <laughs> exactly. Well, their two boys desperately wanted to talk to our two boys, and it began with a series of knock-knock jokes. That uh, just, oh, this is about to get really good. <laughs> it just wouldn't stop. It was knock-knock, and nobody has a punchline. And in order for them at the end of the table to hear the boys at this yeah, end of the uh, table, uh, there was... Uh, 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 knock-knock. <laughs> I'm not wow, I just got mom dies. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> but they were just yelling. I mean, it was just like this frenetic yell from from the computer you know blasted and then from our boys to then and the parents i mean you could just see on them and on us we were just like defeat like it would have been less of a cluster if we'd all been together i think and so it ended with ingrid in the floor in tears hugo in the restroom and levin banging on the piano oh good times good times Well, it hasn't been that fun over here at the Randall House. Uh, I think uh, we still get our TV trays out. Uh, we're watching the last uh, season of Schitt's Creek, uh, which is absolutely fabulous. We talked about that, I think, on the last episode. Certainly highly recommend that to, to our listeners. But uh, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing it. Well, our next segment, we're going to take a deeper dive into last week's article written by Mary Elizabeth Hinchy uh, on April 17th, entitled Identifying Priorities When the World is Crumbling. So stay tuned. Are you looking for a new way to grow your faith? Nurturing Faith is offering five of their best-selling devotionals for only $12 for Good Faith weekly listeners. Go to nurturingfaith.net to find hope from Carol Bozeman Taylor, John R. Roebuck, Blake McKinney, Michael L. Ruffin, and Merrill J. Davies. The books are all available in the bookstore section of the Nurturing Faith website. And now, back to Mitch and Autumn. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and in this uh, episode's Deeper Dive, we're going to be tackling a wonderful article written by Mary Elizabeth Hainchey. And her article is entitled, Identifying Priorities When the World is Crumbling. And for the last three weeks, it certainly has felt like the world has been crumbling all around us. Uh, And it's been difficult. We've talked a little bit about this in previous episodes and even a little bit today in the first segment about uh, trying to prioritize Uh, work and home and play and rest uh, in this pandemic state that we're finding ourselves in. So Autumn, how do you and Josh uh, prioritize your lives these days? Yeah, you know, I think as often happens, the kids have to come first and making sure that they feel safe, uh, making sure that they feel um, like they know what's going on. We really prioritize their 
their school. They get to have some time with their friends and mm -hmm. the same for our oldest, you know, that social element is, is so important. Um, making sure that we have groceries, um, that we are thinking ahead. There's been a lot of strategy that happens there, but then also just making time for our, um, for our own mental health and taking a moment and that kind of thing. You know, in her article, uh, Reverend uh, Hanchi talks about uh, kind of a 30,000 foot view of priorities and more specifically priorities of the church and priorities of community. Uh, there's a lot of discussion right now as it seems as though the curve is flattening in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic about how to restart uh, society. Uh, and when will the time come for us to begin to enter back into some kind of normalcy, even though I argue, I don't think we're ever going to see that type of normalcy again. It's just going to change. Life's going to change as we know it. Uh, but has this period of time, the great pause, as many of us have been calling it, uh, empowered us or challenged us to start reprioritizing prioritizing our life. You know, I think about our church, Autumn, and all of a sudden we began, and we knew relationships were important. We knew community was important, but now it seems like we're all craving that. Uh, you know, we've talked about some of the Zoom meetings that we've had with our pastor and with our Sunday school classes and uh, with our families and with our neighbors, like you talked about in the first segment. Uh, there is this deep need of connection. And I hope and pray that that continues even as we come out of uh, this quarantine that we're in. Yeah, I, I really hope so too. I think that we would all do well to remember the who and the what got us through these hard times so that when we are back on top and we're, you know, I don't think we'll ever be normal, but things will, will feel more normal than they have in the past. We're just maintaining those connections. And I think it's been interesting that we're all collectively in this because I think we all go through times when we need that connection, when we're, when we're low, when, um, you know, maybe you are at a high when someone else is at a low. And so we're kind of there for each other. But the interesting thing about this is that we're all in this kind of lull together. We're all in the valley together. Yeah. And there's something really team building about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, as uh, this, this connect connectedness and this uh, togetherness that we're so desperately seeking during this time of isolation, uh, I do hope it continues. You know, another element uh, of this pandemic has been our inability to go out and shop for things. Um, you know, we're a very materialistic society. I don't think anybody would deny that. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to change, if people are going to flood back to the malls or to the shops and just start spending money uh, like they did in the past, or are they going to realize that, you know what, I don't, I don't need that fifth pair of shoes or, you know, six pair of jeans. Um, you know, what, what do you think, what do you think, how do you think we're going to come out of this as a society? You know, I think for one thing, a lot of people are really having to prioritize and economize 
who maybe in the past have had more flexibility. People have lost their jobs. Um, they're still paying for childcare, even though they're not able to utilize it. And we're all trying to take care of those service workers in our, in our life who aren't able to work. And so, you know, whether it's because of a job loss or because you're trying to support others, we've all had to be really judicious with our money. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you have to take a hard look at things, um, it's going to change. But I think there's even more than just the physical, like I, have the money or I don't have the money to spend on it. I think you're right that it's really made us realize what you actually need and what actually brings you joy. You know, does that fifth pair of jeans bring you joy or can I give a little bit more to my church? Can I give a little bit more to a ministry um, like Fellowship Southwest at the border who's doing, uh, you know, real and permanent good for, for people who don't have it? And is there more joy that's brought from that? So, Adam, uh, you know, you're exactly right. And you've mentioned in previous uh, podcasts, that uh, your family has suffered uh, heavily during this uh, pandemic because your husband uh, lost his job during this. So how has that very difficult moment in your life uh, kind of reshaped your priorities? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. You know, we really felt like we were sort of um, above the touch of COVID, and it turns out that we were not. Um, the 13th marks a month since my husband lost his job, and um, he has still not been able to have any forward motion with um, unemployment, mm-hmm. um, any kind of compensation from that because I guess things are just really backed up and I mean, he has some other options, but right now the other options are on a freeze because they're government related jobs. And so even though he's, you know, very, you know, he's an attorney, this should be a no brainer that you could find another job. The pandemic has really settled in and how that's impacted our lives is that I've had to pick up, you know, a couple of other things to kind of keep us, we are fine, but it's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, there's some silver lining to it. He's getting to spend some really sweet time with our kids and our approach to life has always been, there's not much we can change about our circumstances, but our outlook and our perspective can do a lot to change us. And so I feel like we're handling it, but yeah, it's, it's scary. Yeah. Well, thanks for being so vulnerable and uh, telling us about that. It is a scary time, but uh, you know, there's so many people out there just like you and Josh and uh, your family that are meeting this crisis head on and looking for silver linings and overcoming it. And there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel and uh, we're hoping that uh, it comes sooner than later. In our next uh, segment, we're going to be interviewing two professors from the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, Dr. Wade Rowett and Dr. D'Artagna Hill. Uh, They're going to be conducting a workshop on April 23rd that uh, begins uh, uh, several sessions on anxiety and depression, pastoral care, and mental health. And uh, you won't want to miss that interview. They are very, very thoughtful in their discussion and uh, can tell you a bit bit more about the workshop. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and this week we have a very important two guests uh, joining the pod, Dr. Wade Rowett and Dr. T- uh, D'Artagna Hill from Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Dr. Rowett and Dr. Hill, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we've been getting every interview these days with pretty much the same question. How are you two feeling? Everybody healthy in uh, your neck of the woods? 
I'm, I'm personally staying healthy. Uh, our daughter's a physician down at Vanderbilt, and she put us in lockdown on March the 9th. <laughs> <laughs> healthy and safe over here and continuing to uh, do all the things that you are being recommended, washing the hands and just staying safe. Well, that's good. Uh, well, we know that uh, Baptist uh, Seminary of Kentucky has been teaching online courses for uh, several semesters now uh, over a period of time. So uh, you were really built for crises like this. So how has there been any change uh, with your students and your courses that you're teaching at the seminary? Well, Dr. Hill and I are co-teaching a course in pastoral care and counseling uh, now. And it, uh, up until the crisis, he was in one classroom, either in Louisville or Georgetown, and I was in the other, and the students were there with us. Uh, they uh, were with one of the professors, mm -hmm. and we would do role plays. Uh, but as soon as it went to the uh, crisis, uh, all uh, nine of us are on the uh, process just like we are. We're all on Zoom. Uh, some of the students have said they think they pay better attention on Zoom. <laughs> Great. Uh, and Dr. Hill, are you, uh, you uh, no problems with uh, teaching online like uh, you are now? Well, no problems at all. We're just making the adjustment and sure. the students are making the adjustment. We're continuing to go forward. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that uh, you're both teaching pastoral care uh, during this particular semester and such a vital, vital uh, ministry that congregations and counselors and therapists are providing people right now because during this pandemic and this current crisis, people are feeling very isolated. Uh, a lot of anxiety uh, began to emerge pretty quickly. Um, and the walls are closing in on some people. Family relationships are beginning to be strained. Uh, so uh, this really, really uh, encouraged by this workshop that you're going to be putting together that is actually scheduled for April the 23rd at 7 p.m. We'll talk a little bit later in the pod how people can sign up for that workshop. But first, let's just talk about the need that you see or that you're hearing from uh, your students, from churches across the country, and the need for pastoral care and mental health. Well, I, I'm, I'm hearing from uh, pastors. A uh, number of them have been on different uh, Zoom meetings with me, and uh, I would summarize it by saying as the stress has increased, the support systems are decreasing. Mm. Uh, there's increased stress, of course, with personal security, fear of the illness, uh, fear for their children, fear for their grandparents. Uh, some of my friends are locked in nursing homes. There's economic stress with all that's going on there. Then there's the time stress. Uh, all up and down the age span, uh, young uh, couples are trying to work at home, both of them. And as Autumn said, the kids are running around and my daughter's doing telehealth. My sons are, are teaching and the kids are there un under their feet. So uh, all kinds of new stress. At the same time, the traditional support systems, having a meal out with your friends, uh, being able to have the daycare center or having uh, having an opportunity uh, to be at Wednesday night church, uh, go, going to church and hearing to your pastor and getting a hug from your best friends. The support systems have lessened while the stress has increased uh, as I experience it. Yeah. My, my uh, experience has been 
more with my congregation. I've had a lot of things happen since the crisis to the members of my congregation. Uh, I've had an elderly member who's living in New York die of COVID-19. And of course, was, the family was unable to carry through with uh, the conventional funeral services. They're needing closure. I had a teenager, 16 years old, victim of homicide, and uh, funeral was first postponed, and then people just couldn't conduct themselves well at the funeral. Uh, the chairman of my deacons lost his mother at 90-some-odd years old during this time, and one of my former members, who is also a minister, called and said, my daughter is home from college. My Two sons are out of uh, school. My wife is working from home, and I'm working from home. And the home we live in is too small uh, mm -hmm. to handle all of the anxiety that we're uh, experiencing. So a lot, you know, has is going on and has gone on just since uh, just since the crisis began. Right. You know, I got a, a somewhat of a delicate question for both of you, uh, because as you both describe the anxieties that congregations and families are facing, um, I want to ask you this in a very delicate uh, and respectful way. Do you see that there are some uh, ethnic issues, racial issues that are involved in the experience of this pandemic? And what I mean by that is the Anglo church experiencing something different than the black church? Um, and, or is it very similar? Are you hearing that in your communities? Well, I, I think yes and no. Uh, yes, it's different in that uh, uh, white privilege and, and white economic ability has made the adjustment easier. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the uh, Anglo churches uh, already were broadcasting service. Right. Uh, and, and I think the um, th things like uh, redlining and economic depression of, of the black community mm -hmm. ha have left fewer resources uh, there for them. Uh, and then, uh, no, uh, I think we're locked out of our, uh, out of our sanctuaries equally. Mm -hmm. And it was actually uh, African-American pastor friend of mine who first came up with the idea of doing a funeral, uh, a drive-in funeral. He pulled, in, he pulled into the uh, uh, <clears throat> funeral home and had the 30 or 40 cars around him, and uh, they did the funeral uh, uh, that way. Sure. Uh, so at one level, uh, no, we're experiencing some of the stress the same way, but obviously the oppression that our African-American friends have felt over the years uh, provides fewer resources. Uh, I don't know what you would say, Dr. Hill, but that, that's my experience. Well, I wouldn't see the perspective from the church as being much different, but I would see the cultural difference uh, being readily apparent. I think some African-Americans are interpreting the stay-at-home quarantine as punishment, uh, hmm. that that uh, politically uh, they haven't done anything for governors and administrators uh, to warrant, recommend, suggest that they can't leave their homes mm -hmm. uh, and can't go out if they see it as punishment. Uh, 
And so that causes then an additional level of anxiety and stress because of the sort of misinterpretation, the misinformation about the uh, disease. Well, and of course, yeah. we know that African-Americans are disproportionately dying uh, from lack of uh, health, uh, health insurance, uh, lack of adequate care, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, I'm, Dr. Hill and I uh, talk about race often, but we haven't talked about why we, th why we think uh, more African-Americans percentage-wise are dying during this crisis. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you guys are coming together to do something about it and to address the anxiety and isolation uh, and heaviness that both communities and really all of us are undergoing at this time. And so we're really, really interested in the workshop that you're going to be hosting on April 23rd, uh, dealing with six specific issues, anxiety, family stress, depression, loneliness, pastoral care, and self-care. Uh, let's first talk about anxiety. What can people do to address the anxiety that is permeating our minds and hearts right now? My first response is be still. Find and nurture silence. Mm -hmm. uh, my second response is uh, call, call your community around you. Uh, touch base with those that you care about. And then my other response is spend, spend time uh, in, in prayer. Connect yourself uh, with God in whatever ways you're comfortable. Read more scripture, uh, spend more time in prayer, uh, but be still and know that God is God and be, be with those that love you. Excellent. Dr. Hill, how can families reduce the stress? I mean, you know, one of the things I'm privileged enough of, you know, we've, we've raised our two children. Uh, they're back at home right now from college. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's we, my wife and I were empty nesters for the, you know, for all of three months before we had both boys back home uh, living <laughs> in the roof. Uh, but I've been watching uh, social media. I've been watching especially uh, young parents uh, with children uh, navigate, trying to educate parents, all the things that are associated with uh, family life in this confined space, how can families address the stress that they're facing right now? I think being open with each other about what the situation is and what the realities are, confront the realities of uh, the virus, the disease, preventing its spread, what's necessary for the family to do to work together to prevent the spread and keep themselves uh, safe. I think education is the key word, both uh, biblical and social uh, education within the family that uh, can't go out, we can't do certain things that we used to do, but we can get to understand each other better. Uh, we can get to understand a plan for how we move forward and our security and being secure with ourselves. We can understand what the Word of God says better during this time and find answers in that word that will be calming and comforting uh, as we're here at home uh, with each other. Well said, very well said. I think what you all are, are hosting with this workshop is so important. Uh, my husband and I were briefly in ministry for a while um, and decided that vocational ministry was not for us. 
And I feel like if there, if we had known more voices like yours, um, not, I don't know. I think we're on the right path for our lives, but I just, I love that you're being that voice there. So as a member of a congregation now who understands sort of the other side of things, you know, my husband and I work really hard to make sure we support our ministers. I used to be a congregant of Mitch's, and I think he, he could speak to that, that we try to Absolutely. support. Um, support with food and kindness, and uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, so right now we have a Sunday night, um, about every other Sunday night, we have a Zoom session with our pastor and some other of our close, you know, kind of our close interconnected friends, where we can just kind of decompress from the week and talk about what's going on, um, have that social time. And, you know, there's not a lot of prayer happening there, but there's just some good talk among people who understand. Maybe what not traditional prayer, but there's prayer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what words of advice do you have for people in congregations who want to support their ministers. I might speak here that how impressed and amazed I am with just my local congregation and the congregations of the students that are in the pastoral care class. Uh, they've reached out to each other, uh, you know, by email, by Zoom, uh, just in any number of creative ways. Uh, my members in particular are calling each other all of the time. I couldn't get them to call each other before the crisis, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they're calling and caring and sharing. And I'm just really impressed and amazed how well uh, people are responding to, Christian people are responding to caring uh, for one another. Mm -hmm. I think my quick advice would be the advice someone gave me when my daughter was getting married. I said there are three keys to, to being supportive. Uh, show up. Uh, don't, don't fall by the wayside. Show up. Uh, pay up. Uh, I really think it's going to be important that we find ways to continue to give our time in service, uh, to use our talents in the worship that we were putting together on zoom to, uh, to send our money in, uh, I think it's going to be that. And, and then uh, shut up. Mm. And, and by that, I mean, we, we need to stop nitpicking at each other. There are a lot of things that are going to irritate us. Uh, a lot of things our churches aren't going to do that we, we don't like. Uh, but in, the, in a time of crisis, we need to be as supportive as we can. Now, if there's a real problem, we can define it and talk it through as Dr. Hill suggested. But I, I think it would be really important to, to, to not criticize Right. Well, Dr. Rowett, that's just really irritating. <laughs> <laughs> if the shoe fits. <laughs> oh, well, both of you, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, again, you'll be leading a workshop uh, for uh, the Baptist uh, Seminary at Kentucky on April 23rd at 7 o'clock. And how can our listeners sign up for the workshops? Very simple. Go to bsk.edu, uh, the Flourish Center, and you'll see the workshop right there. Okay. And is there a cost to it? Uh, there's not a cost for the uh, first one that we have out. They can view the one on anxiety right now. Uh, I think there is a $30 registration fee uh, for, the, for the six uh, course package. The $39 for all six? 30 
thirty dollars for all six. And there are some and there are some scholarships available if uh, individuals and churches. And we've geared this for ministers, for lay leaders, but also for congregants. Uh, uh, Autumn, I think you would you would enjoy watching it. Sound like good, good, good. Well, Dr. Wade uh, Rowett and Dr. D'Artagnan Hill, thank you so much for joining our pod today. And we always end our podcast with asking our guests a very important question that's dear to us. And Autumn has the pleasure of asking that question. Yeah, I do. So at Good Faith Media, our motto is there's more to tell. And we like to ask our guests, what is your more to tell? Uh, my, my, my more, uh, more to tell is uh, that even in the midst of the crisis, we, we have to remember uh, to love God and to love one another and to learn how to love ourselves. That's good. My, my more to tell would uh, concern itself with one of the words that Mitch mentioned, and that is be kind. Mm. Uh, those of us who love the Lord and know how kind the Lord has been to us, this is the time to show it to others. Well, that's a great way to end uh, this particular pod. Dr. Rowett, Dr. Hill, thank you so much for joining Good Faith Weekly. Blessings upon your ministry. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, make certain you go to BSK and sign up for this workshop. It's very important. I'm going to right now. Thank you for inviting us. It's been a privilege. Good.